I'm Mark Stedman, and oh, this is all academic, as my brother was long ago nibbled to death by an acarpy. I'm John Bounds, and you're a jerk. A complete asshole. I'm John Hickman. Okay, baby, <laughs> hold tight. <laughs> That's not true. Naughty. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. leopard, leopard this leopard. is Beware of the Leopard, um, and we're on the home stretch in our mission to break down the entirety of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Canon into bite-sized alphabetical chunks. It's uh, basically alphabet soup the podcast, uh, but with towels. So if everyone's ready, uh, let's go to Disco. <laughs> We talked back in September 2017 Ooh, about body debiting. The place Zaphod and Rooster transport themselves to is the Wormhole Disco, which might as well have been called the Placeholder Club, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, in this disco, there are nozzles on the wall that spray the smell of hot sweat over everything, and the place is packed with dancing robots. Um, Danny, as our youth correspondent, do people still go to nightclubs? I, uh, I, I, not as much as they used to, I don't think. Um, but then again, we're of the age of the super club when we started going clubbing. I'm sure you, you had a long clubbing career like I did, Mark. Of course. So, um, I, I took uh, so many ecstasies. <laughs> we, we were, we were around for the super club, mm. you know, when, uh, places like, uh, God's Kitchen built their own venue and uh, Gatecrusher used to sell out the NEC, the Matten National Exhibition Centre. Um, so, yeah, no, no one's clubbing as much as that because a lot of people were clubbing back then. Well, Tony Blair killed a nightclub, didn't he? Um, as long as well as uh, about, about a million Iraqis and uh, trust in UK <laughs> politics. Um because the damn don't, i don't know if you remember as i do uh, a text message that you got on the uh, day before the election in may 1997 that said vote labor tomorrow and the pubs will never close no and they really did send, i was too young to have received that but uh, gosh they really did send that text out essentially and it was um because they were liberalizing the licensing laws yeah and it was 1997 so only seven people had a mobile well uh, yeah so uh but only young people probably send it to yes. uh, pages and they all had to ring your number and find out what it was about. <laughs> yes but i had a pager i had a pager so it was uh so it was unceremoniously stolen from me at a bus stop on bull street I lost mine at a Beastie Boys gig. That's a, that's a cooler way to have lost your pager. Yeah, I, no regrets. So, kids, um, pagers were these things that <laughs> um, the, the the Ute Dem would have that would basically beep and tell you to call someone. And uh, some of them could get more advanced and you could send messages, I believe. You had to phone up a stranger. Yes. Who would then transcribe the message yes. and send it to your friends. That's right. But because it was a person, you couldn't do drug shit. Mm -hmm. because it would be a person and they'd obviously like you get paranoid about them passing it on so mm -hmm. what me and my friends would do would use code <laughs> oh oh you invented the idea of um texting code yeah essentially but <laughs> unfortunately we were so fucking high most of the time we never sat down and actually agreed what the code <laughs> were <laughs> should we have a signal yeah okay cool i'll do the signal so um we'd get we'd get fucking pages come through that like and it cost them 50p a time to do it back yeah. when 50p was a lot of money yeah. um and, i mean and it, was, it was probably a jello shot at that point you'd, you'd get this fucking page through it say oh, like the eagle is 20 it'll be like what, what <laughs> in this circumstance what is is it the dealer that's the other uh, drugs what is 20 is that 20 grams 20 pounds 20 
fucking you had to text them back and in the end you'd end up fucking phoning them anyway and leaving a, mes- and leaving a message with their mum yeah. or dad <laughs> hello mrs eagle oh, you sheila can you t- can you tell phil that the pills are gonna be 10 for three yeah i know that doesn't add up get in for- <laughs> oh, uh, hello mr cooper um as a four uh super marios and a and a, and a mitsubishi please <laughs> I, I wonder should i be bleeping these names <laughs> right we, uh, yes i used to go clubbing quite a lot mm. um, i don't i don't think they go clubbing now I, I i think they do i think that people tend to drink at home now the youth them it's a lot of pre-gaming isn't there yeah a lot of pre-gaming and when they go to the club they'll go like to one-off things and they'll go ironically they won't you know uh, that it won't be a, clubbing's a big deal to them, so they'll spend ages getting ready and and this and that. They'll go and go. Well, where's fun to go now that we're all hammered? And that's the impression that I get from speaking to the youth den. But well, I think the problem is that this town, or this town anyway, is it's become a little bit like a ghost town. Really, the the bands don't mm. play. All, all the clubs have, uh, yeah, have been closed down. Getting angry. Well, actually, the one club in uh, the small town in which I live um, has closed down. Um, it used to be uh, at the uh, football club that had a late night disco and called the club. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, well, now since that's closed down, I last saw a squaddy get into a taxi and say, take us to the blue boar, mate. I'm gagging for some mad milf fanny. Ah. Good grief. <laughs> so that's where they went. The blue boar. The blue boar. Ah, oh, that's one for John Hickman. He'll enjoy that. Uh, and now it's time to meet a total jerk. Wowbagger, the infinitely prolonged, was, uh, indeed is, uh, one of the universe's very small number of immortal beings. He'd had his immortality thrust upon him by an unfortunate accident with an irrational particle accelerator, a liquid lunch, and a pair of rubber bands. The precise details of the accident are not important because no one has ever managed to duplicate the exact circumstances under which it happened, and many people have ended up looking very silly, or dead, or both, trying. He was played by Toby Longworth in the radio series, and he's made it his mission to insult every living being in the universe just for something to do. Um, John, let's say the Earth gets hit with an immortality ray the day after you quit your job and tell everyone to go stick their head in a pig. Um, what do you do for the rest of eternity? Well, let's uh, clarify the question a little bit. Has uh, have, Is it just me that's been hit, or uh, has everybody... Had a whack with the old immortality stick. Uh, it's a very question. No, yeah, let, let's rewrite this. You've been hit with an immortality ray. Okay, so this is well, that th- there are there are there are different problems, aren't there? Because mm. the um, if the main problem with embarrassment is the embarrassment of uh, the other, you know, the other people. So if unless you're sort of like a George Costanza from Seinfeld character who can quit his job <laughs> one day and then turn up again the next day pretending no one's noticed. <laughs> um, George is very upset! <laughs> unless you're someone like that, the, the, if you had actually done any of the things that he does in Seinfeld, you would, or any of the things any of them do, to be perfectly honest, you would be cringing <laughs> in mm-hmm. uh, Jerry's amusingly small bathroom stroke toilet with a weird door. Um, <laughs> all the time, it's going. You wouldn't be able to go out. It would. So that would be the problem. If if everybody had been hit with an Im- immortality rate, essentially they would remember your stupid shit for eternity. What would you do? You'd be desperately hunting for uh, for sweet release of death. But if it's just you. You could wait it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's all just a matter of of time and, and perspective, really, isn't it? That's. I think. I mean, I don't think I'd handle it well. 
<laughs> let's be honest. Some Define that for me. Let's 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 walk through what what that means. Not handling it well. In in what sense? Well, I think as as Wordbagger really has the problem with the um the sort of uh, the Sunday afternoons he can't cope with. And now that's another thing, of course, that Tony Blair um, got rid of the Sunday afternoon <laughs> by um, making the pubs open. So one of the main problems with Sunday was everything was shut. Mm. Uh, and when they uh, made and everything the- smelled like gravy, yeah. But now the pubs are all open. Um, you can you can go to, you can go to them. So I think in I think sort of 2010s 2020s Wordbagger would be fine. Mm. Because he could just get hammered all day Sunday as well. But he he got bored on those Sunday afternoons. And I sometimes get really, really bored anyway. And what bo- what's the, the worst thing about boredom is, you know, you've got these things you want to do, but you can't be asked to do them. And when you've, yeah. used, when you've used up too much of the time you had, you start getting frustrated with yourself for not having done the thing, whether it's writing that article or reading that book or watching that film or having that luxurious wank or whatever it is you'd set your heart on that morning. That got, You know, you wrote it down on your to-do list, on your Pomodoro technique, but you're going to <laughs> five... And you're at your vision board. Yeah, five, you know, put it on your Kanban and, like, uh, break it down into <laughs> stories, like the vinegar strokes, you've, That's a, that's got dependencies. As a red-blooded male, I would like to um, wank so that I can get myself off. Is that is that the user journey you've that we have, have to write have here? And what's my persona, John? You've got to have your user stories. I'm not telling you what your persona is. <laughs> but anyway, so yes, yeah, so- this is all hilarious, Danny. By the way, this is all this is all hilarious. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm I, uh, my chuckling was silent <laughs> and and approving. Don't imagine any other thing. <laughs> Thank you. But it, it doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what you want to do. You're eventually going to get. Um, you're eventually just going to get bored. And that's. I think that's why Wellbagger is such a. He's an incredibly well-loved character, isn't he? Considering it's essentially in the original uh, book, in the life, the universe, and everything, it's a two-pager. Mm. It's a gag that doesn't advance the plot in any way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's a really nice one. I know he comes back in the the uh, the latest radio series and in the the Owen Colfer uh, Colfer book, but um, it's. Yeah, he's such a little bit, and, and you know, Douglas was unafraid to use him again. He's in the Genghis Khan short story um, and stuff. And it's, it's it's one of those things where you go, okay, this character can't, you couldn't listen or read uh, a story just about Wabagger. In fact, the less he's in there, the more there's the idea of him just popping up, saying his piece and fucking off again. He's, um, yeah, that's the more intriguing he is. Yes, it's, it, 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 I know we, we often, uh, bring things back to Discworld, but I think there's a there's an air of um, of the death character that crops up in every book, and the you know the the, the best appearances are are in you know the the more sparse ones um, rather than necessarily the books where he's the main focus because it's it's just nice to have that in the same way that Wowbagger can be uh, everywhere, and I think he, he travels through time as well well he would do i mean he's immortal anyway so yeah um it, you know d- death can sort of be everywhere in every story that uh that was written for the Discworld. world wow can kind of be that same um you know one line joke that just comes in has a quick scene uh and then and then knobs off again and you carry on enjoying the book yeah and i think he's he's got an extended life outside um but it's, it's an interesting character so when we first started 
many moons ago first started doing this podcast <laughs> it was um one of the first things someone tasked us with i think um on twitter was saying can you make a twitter boss oh, that yeah. insults everybody uh, on twitter in alphabetical order and the answer is yes you could it get banned very quickly Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still... You would also come across a, a, a sort of similar problem that Wowbagger must face, which is the kind of fourth bridge problem, which is, but you know, you, you, could, you could get halfway through the A's and then there's another A to tackle. And so what do you do? Do you finish the A's and then go back to the A's that you missed? At which point there's probably more A's that you've missed and then, you you know, you, you get into that... Um, Xenu's paradox uh, type situation, or do you just get a list of, of of everyone that's on Twitter now, capture that list, run through those, and then do it again and see if you can capture all the ones you've missed? I don't know. Well, um, I think I, I think this is perfectly Adamsy. Like he, um, this is the sort of thing that he he was really good at this sort of logic problem he hints at he hints at it um and he never actually explains it but like even his explanation of this would would have been marvelous to read so um there are a finite of people in the universe that's a finite number yes he has infinite time so therefore theoretically it should be possible to do this but the system in which he employs will depend on whether it's actually possible, and what the ram- that is a, that's a really Adamsy idea that he never explores. But I think that he was perfectly capable of just hinting at and then walking away and leaving us to to puzzle it out. So yeah, I I I I really like I really like that about this. Yeah, it's like you um you wouldn't. He's made a fundamental problem. He's drawn has Webagger a, a a stupid red line at the start of his negotiation period, and now we are. <laughs> two years later and we can't quite work out how to do it it's um <clears throat> of the alphabetical order is the problem because i had you have decided to uh insult every being in the known universe in the order in which they were born you'd have to mm. develop a way of traveling very quickly yes but you could do it it is it's it's a unique um a unique child delivered of a unique mother, as uh, as I believe Stephen Fry once said. Um, it's a, a very particular type of problem and one that um, we don't have an, ad- an adequate solve for, apart from, I guess, just... You probably never get out the A's. You probably just never do, because there's always another A. There's always another person born with a... You know, the, the amount of um, Arthur Diodats... Um, that that he must meet Arthur Philip Diodats, uh, which is the next one across from Arthur Dent on Earth. Um, I mean, it's 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 not an efficient system either. We we we've we've got to bear that in mind. I mean, it's elegant in its uh, simplicity. One one might say it, it might be more artful uh, to to, for example, group common. Um, people, let's say, together so that, you know, if you were making a joke about two common things that were linked together, like, thematically, uh, you'd be able to talk about those two things together or do an episode. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, uh, um, an insult just about those things rather than having to be a slave to the alphabet and have to do different episodes, uh, 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 insults about those, uh, those topics, uh, people. So you could just turn up at a live venue, say, where lots of people who like the Hitchhiker's mm, Guide mm, to the Galaxy were mm. uh, talking about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and call them mm. all fucking nerds. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Incidentally, um, details on our live tour will be uh, going up soon. <laughs> Well, um, and, uh, oh, no, look, it's a gun of some sort. 
A xanthic restructuron destabilized xenon emitter is uh, a gun of some sort. Uh, by the way, if you're at all, uh, at all curious, um, because I use that line a lot, the whole it's a gun of some sort thing comes from the second radio series and uh, a whole bit that never made it into the book. Anyway, the uh, xanthic restructuron destabilized xenon emitter is just one of those uh, throwaway lines Adam tossed in uh, in a, a conversation between two robots. Uh, but if you put that combination of words into the internet... You get this interesting question, which I'm going to pose to Danny. If there was a drone in the sky directing some type of microwave energy into your house, would you report it to the officials or not? Um, Danny, are you are you are you worried about microwave energy in your house? I'm, I'm supposed to answer the questions of a, of, of a fucking raving lunatic. Did you not hear the question? Because you're tin foil. <laughs> If a man, if if a man rode a unicorn through your wall that was tissue paper for no reason, like why am I supposed to answer dream logic question? Like, yeah, I, I suppose if a drone was in the sky and I knew it was emitting microwaves into my house, I'd do something. Just put put a chicken <laughs> on the window lid. <laughs> You'd tell someone. I'd probably check myself into somewhere. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there are microwaves in my house. I mean, that's the reason why I eat food. Like. If there wasn't, I would be. It'd be, it'd be cold food for me forever. And let's face it, half the time when I heat something up in a microwave and I open it to check it, and I go warm enough. And if I'm really mm. honest, oh no, it's never really warm enough. Oh no, I'm just <laughs> more hungry than I am concerned about my health. How are you still here? I'm a hearty, hearty man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. There might be a conspiracy I, I knew people that were very into conspiracy theories and mm-hmm. by that i mean they had mental problems yeah um as i said we used to take a lot of drugs and some drugs affect people differently some people are perfectly fine some people get a bit depressed and some people think that the illuminati control the world <laughs> um some of the people i hung out with were the the latter so yeah, I, I'd, I'd have to indulge all sorts of fucking batshit, like, conversations about fluoride and how the, a spartan... Chemtrails. A spartan chemtrails. Fucking, the people are talking about the flat earth theory. Have you seen that documentary? Uh, there's a documentary <sighs> on Netflix about the flat earthers. It, it's, <sighs> uh, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful documentary about, it's just about how people can, can only confirm the things that they believe, confirmation bias. Yeah. Like there's a couple of times that they uh, these people in this documentary do a um, do experiments that go once and for all we're going to prove that either the world is flat or it's round, and the experiment proves them wrong, and then you go, well, the problem with that experiment is yeah, the prob- it's a bad experiment, yeah, it's bad science. That exper- the, pro- the main problem with that experiment is that it proved you wrong. Yeah, no, it's 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 almost as if um, some people are very dull and and don't have much in their lives and so they need to find something uh that um gives them uh, what's the word i'm looking for oh yeah attention i don't think and so they pretend i uh, know i know as much i know it's not true as much as that's what i want to tell myself i know it's not true i had a good conversation with with friend of the show um cat uh from from uh, the eponymous um cat's cabinet of curiosities uh who sort of put me right about that 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 particular thinking and and the fact that it does come from a genuine mistrust that people have developed i mean it's it's bogus and it's still as asinine as what i'm saying but there is this growing distrust of 
um, people who know things because apparently I, now that's I, I, not I, okay. I think it's healthy to distrust, like distrust things that you're being told. Like do a little bit of research, like but you've got to be willing to change and bend with how things um, as as with the fact as the information presents itself. I think it's more to do with being powerless. Mm. The more power that that you, that you think, the, the more the less power that you have, the more control that you think you have. And information is power. And oh yeah, so no, no, absolutely. People that's wrapped up in the same thing. I yeah, think. people will look for the secret knowledge and 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 feel that little bit more in control than they were. Yes. When things aren't going people's way, people want to fight to, to try and figure out who's turning the screws to make that thing not go their way because it's far easier to do that than expect than um, take personal responsibility for the things that aren't going your way. And what's more comforting, like th- that, there is a malevolent force or organization in the world that is thwarting and making everything shit, yeah. or the world is a messy, random place and shitty things can happen to good people at any time for no reason. The conspiracy theories are a really good um, flag that something up because if there's a widespread conspiracy theory, you've got a lot of people who are dissatisfied feeling out of control in trouble they are essentially powerless and what they believe what their conspiracy theory is probably nonsense but their concerns um you mm-hmm. know they've got a real they've got real problems and the the idea that mm-hmm. it is anything to do with them is not doesn't necessarily hold water because it's say you are incredibly poor in i am incredibly poor well you are incredibly poor so you but um but yeah so the idea that that's something that you've done that you can completely control the idea that that isn't a byproduct of the capitalist system and capitalism in its sort of late period capitalism the sort of uh, crisis of bourgeois hegemony as we're having at the moment um it's 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 a nonsense to suggest that you've done that it's built on capitalism it's moved it's built on the backs of feudalism it's built on the fact that yeah we are the descendants of the people who didn't have the armies in the middle ages it's and it is more comforting to believe that there are that there are deliberate choices being made rather than lots of disparate selfish choices which are nudged into being by a system which selects the decisions for people so um the idea that google is or facebook is really controlled by the people at the helm is nonsense it's controlled by capitals controlled by shareholder value it's controlled by um it's been controlled it's been controlled by money essentially and money propagates money and every decision that's always made is is if there's a choice between barbarism and the right thing to do and barbarism will make much money barbarism will always win that's how capital works uh, i mean uh, george george carlin used to say the same thing that there is a conspiracy it's not an organized conspiracy but when your goals are the same a conspiracy happens so all these people that are trying to keep power and money away from the majority of the world are in a conspiracy it's not organized it's not spoken about but it is a conspiracy they all know what each other are doing and how, like how to capitalize on that and how to compound it but it's not an organized because it's not like they they meet like once a year apart from at the bilderberg group apart from at the bilderberg group where they join out and davos so yeah like when twice a year it's not them at once a year they've got two meetings two meetings god there's a grueling work schedule that and the dinner parties controlling the world's hard work and the golf clubs (laughs) yeah let's get rid of them 
Okay, uh, now um, onto this thing. Isladins is the star around which most of the galaxy's major insurance underwriters live, uh, or, or rather lived. Uh, and as far as I can uh, tell, Mr. Hickman, um, for when you listen to this, uh, no, this one um, isn't real um, because it's actually a, an, an anagram of uh, Lloyd's Insurance or Lloyd's Inns. Uh, now, we don't know if there's a specific race that takes care of all of the insurance work, but it feels like um, quite a vogonic pursuit to me. I mean, it's all strictly academic now, seeing as the star went supernova shortly after the destruction of the starship Titanic. So, Mr. B, um, is uh, is that the galaxy's largest case of insurance fraud? And if so, who's now going to litigate it? Well, what you know, you, would, you would need some lawyers, and as long as uh, Shakespeare hasn't got his way... Um, <laughs> uh, it would, there would still be some lawyers about, but I think mm. I'm interested. I'm interested in your thoughts that, um, the insurance work might be taken on by Vogons. Cause I feel there's a sort of, um, I don't know, sort of uh, category difference going on. Ooh. So, um, Vogons dogmatically bureaucratic, mm-hmm. uh, insurance dogmatically bureaucratic, but with an, absolute subset of incredibly complicated maths <laughs> which i feel yeah. which i feel the vogons uh would might not be able to um uh, to really deal with vogons completely i could uh, staff a insurance call center with vogons um yes or uh but i would i feel i'd need some sort of race that were um particularly interested in the exact probability axis of starships disappearing or a cat falling on your crumpets or or whatever i mean you can insure against anything these days can't you um was it uh ronnie o'sullivan who insured his arm <laughs> well it makes sense i mean you know you, you hear those stories all the time don't you of uh so and so pop star has has um or some actress or some whatever has um has insured their legs for for you know xd million pounds i, I always and with the Vogon thing, I always got the impression that the Vogons were bureaucratic, uh, bureaucratic jobs worth to the point where they would harm themselves if it meant following the rules. Whereas I think insurance, the, the common conception of insurance is they will bend the rules and follow them as far as it profits them oh good distinction mm-hmm. yeah y- your insurance your insurance is valid because um it says in the contract that it's, it's a full moon and it wasn't a full moon so like i, I get the impression that, that that they're bureaucratic insofar as it benefits them whereas a vogon won't even save his grandmother from the slavering bug beast of thingy yep trial ravenous of uh, of of said uh, yes so yeah I, th- I think that distinction is there I, I made an allusion um, to my brother being nibbled to death by a carpy, uh, which is a throwaway line from the radio show um, about Arthur, or rather, well, his his brother. Um, in the book, he's described as thinking about his sister um, when the earth blows up, but I feel like we never actually talk much about family within the series. Why? 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 Why do we think that is? Do you want the serious answer? Um, you know, I mean, no. I mean, it would be a first, right? But, uh... <laughs> I mean, this is nominally a panel show, so what we have to do is we have to noodle around saying silly things for about 10 minutes, and then I say, yeah, c- come on, guys, can we uh, go for a serious answer? Come on to you, Dennis. Oh, my God, that is perfect. 
That is perfect. John, John is you, Dennis. <laughs> what does that make you? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're Frankie Boyle. Let's move on. So the- I've, I've got serious answers for this also. Good. John Hickman is, uh, Milton Jones. Um, good. Uh, well, let's, let's first, let's first open the, uh, open the floor to, uh, to John Bounds. Because, because he's not here, can we say John Hickman is the racist bald one? John Hickman, and you're sitting here thinking, yeah, that, I'm yeah, doing a it. panel show, and this is John Hickman. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Mm hmm. No, John Hickman's Nick Hancock. Ah, well, there you go. I'll be the unintelligible mumbling Irishman, um, which is uh, not a stretch. Uh, John, thoughts? Okay, so I'm going to suggest that it's because, actually, Douglas does not have, or did not have at the time, a particularly close relationship with his family. Oh. Um, He had a number of uh, half-siblings, and um, obviously was away at a boarding school and stuff. Mm. I think... It would be, um, and then, you know, didn't go back uh, to, to live with them after university or anything. Or he did write a lot of the first Hitchhiker series at his uh, mother's house. But it's a sort of, he considers himself, he considers the sort of core narrative to be about essentially a group of friends rather than mm-hmm. about a dynasty or a, a family or sort of those sort of interpersonal relationships. Because he wouldn't necessarily have had um, you know, those long drawn out ones to, to draw on. And he was, mm-hmm. it just seemed, I'm sure, natural to him to go, right, I'm going to write a comedy series or a, a series of books about this group of friends that have been thrown together. I, I, I find that interesting because, um, he, he obviously had enough of a connection to family to not feel that he had to make one in fiction. You know, he didn't bring all of these people together and then create a family out of them. You know, he sent them to all sorts of different corners of the galaxy at various points and doesn't worry too much about bringing them all together or worry too much if they like each other because they don't. And apart from maybe Ford and Arthur, none of them is really going to do that much to save the other one. Um, you know, maybe Zaphod might lift a finger to save Ford, but he certainly wouldn't lift a finger to save Arthur. Um, and so I, I think it's interesting that like, he obviously didn't, certainly in the, in the writing anyway, it didn't seem like he yearned for a family, but he, yeah, he just didn't have that strong a connection. So this um, has prompted a thought in me um, as mm-hmm. pure pop psychology that um, Douglas's father is meant to be a very larger than life sort of spendthrifty character, um, fast cars and spending all the money he's got and mm. changing his mind and a sort of, I don't know, James Robertson justice, a huge, big beardy man. Mm. Um, so I think... Great big bushy beard. A, Hang on, does, certain- doesn't spend... Doesn't spendthrift mean not spend money? No, it means spending. I think it means spending lots of money, but it could be one of those words that means both. Like yeah, I thought flammable. I thought I was with Danny. I thought it meant didn't spend, but yeah. Okay, That's yeah, okay, that, cl- that clears. So it's a big Gregorius um, character, Brian Blessed. Yeah, with my yeah. Okay, so you know, he was a big, you know, sort of piratical uh, sort, <laughs> sort of swash and buckling his way through the the lower um, flatlands of uh, the east of England. So there you go. I can see a sort of Zaphod esque. I can see where he may have drawn on some of the feelings he had about his father to the the, the character of Zaphod, the sort of, you know, he'll drop in, do something extravagant, which may or may not turn out to be the, the benefit, to the benefit of everybody, and then disappear again. Okay, yeah, no, that's that's not a bad theory. Um, I, I want to talk about specifically why Arthur doesn't have a family, because I mm-hmm. think that, so if I'm being generous, I'd say that as Arthur is a proxy for all English people... 
and we're supposed to put ourselves in his shoes, the less well-drawn that he is as a character, the more gaps that we have to fill. And the more gaps that we have to fill, the more personable and personal he becomes to us. Mm. Like emojis, like um, cartoon mm-hmm. characters, the simpler their faces, the more we project onto them. And so the more we relate to them. Yes. Um, so if I was being generous, I'd say he's purposely not well drawn uh, with details of his background mm-hmm. because we feel those in ourselves and therefore he becomes a proxy for uh, like anyone that reads it, especially if they can relate to his the, the one abiding character trait his britishness mm. so i'd say if i was being generous i would say that is perhaps why um we we don't really know a lot about arthur's family if i wasn't being generous i'd say that as clever as douglas was he wasn't much of a planner okay i can't imagine he's got like notice boards filled with um with cards stuck with with a plot a plot b plot c um, and you know, developed character sketches in his uh, in his uh, laptop folder. No, I mean the the, the amount of um, egregious canon. I mean, there's there's sort of egregious. There's there's differences in canon um, when it comes to plot. There's something very different about um, giving a character uh, different siblings <laughs> um, that that seems um, slightly more careless. Uh, to lose one sibling is uh, could be regarded as careless. It could also oh. be something of uh, a reaction, as um, Douglas was when he was writing the original radio series, a reaction to your conventional sitcom, your two kids and a, you know, a family sitcom thing. Mm-hmm. Let's do a, let's, let's think of a plot that has absolutely nothing to do with that. And none of these sort of sitcom false families, you know, like a, mm-hmm. Uh, a man and his ventriloquist dummy and uh, oh yeah so we need uh, one of them to have a so we need a female character oh it's the cleaner mm. or you know this sort of false um or hank you know hancock's uh hancock's the the dad and um sid's the wayward son and uh bill kerr's the stupid son and oh you need hattie <laughs> jakes in as well and things like that the sort of um the, the traditional sort of microcosm of a family which isn't a family and mm-hmm. that's there's a reaction against that, I think. But also, now I've come to think about it, I'm talking myself out <laughs> of it. Um, <laughs> you have got a family. You have got a family. You've just got to pick uh, who's the daddy. Who is the daddy? Hmm. Hmm. response. Zayford's the daddy. Zayford's the wayward, uh, the the deadbeat dad. Yeah. Arthur's the mummy. Ah. You think? Yeah, I'd have thought. I, so. I I I feel I feel that's Eddie the shipboard computer. I know I keep mentioning him, but um, I I feel he's 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 kind of he fulfills that role more than um. I feel like um, Arthur might be um a worrying aunt, um who just sort of dithers and, and worries a lot uh, about things. Mm. Maybe worries about the welfare of the kids, despite not having any kids themselves kind of person. I would go for Trillian being the mummy, not just because she's a female, but she's... A woman. Sorry. I, I know people get irritated by that, and I've 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 inherited other people's irritation at the fact that we use... We often... And I did it last night with some friends. We often say female when we mean woman, and woman when we mean female. <laughs> so I just thought I'd drop that one in there. So okay. please carry on. She's a woman. She, okay, she is female. She's a lady. She is female. She's a woman. Okay. Yep. yep. Sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> high road is <laughs> not. Yeah. Not yeah, just for that. That's fine. 
Uh, but because <laughs> she's the practical one, she's the one that sorts out problems. She's the one that uh, agrees with the person putting forward the the ideas or or disagrees with them, and they look to her for the mm-hmm. sen- sensible kind of um, medium way through. Mm. I would say, I would say that Ford is the daddy. Ooh, and uh, Zayfod. On what grounds? Zayfod is the fun. <laughs> Hey. Zayfod is the is the person that comes in and drives the plot forward and out, mm-hmm. but dips in and out because mm-hmm. he doesn't really fit into that family unit. Mm. Which puts the um which puts Arthur as like the oldest child, a little bit clueless. Yeah. But the the one that we all relate to, the one that, you know, is incredulous at the extreme things that the other people are saying. Mm-hmm. I think that's where he'd fit in in the family sitcom dynamic. And now it kind of pains me. This is a it's a a threshold moment here. Um, we're, uh, we're 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 um, we're going into our first Z, lads. Zamphor hmm. is an unknown ingredient. To, you can hear the sadness in my voice. Um, to add, when mixing a pangalactic gargle blaster, uh, Danny, what did we canonically decide was a good Earth substitute for Zamphor? I sat down to try and. Uh, to try and write my answer about this. And having drunk a lot at both the creation and the unveiling mm. of... Um, said drink. Of the said drink, the only two times I've made it, <laughs> uh, I fucking honestly can't remember. It's salt, mate. It was, it, it was yeah. salt. <laughs> so I, I dug I, I, de- I, I dug out an old sketchbook, mm. and next to Zanfa I've put... Uh, just put in what it needs. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which is helpful. And I did listen to the live episode at the <laughs> end, and it was salt. Yep, it um, was. Which I didn't even add. <laughs> you liar. I didn't even add it. It was already disgusting. I could, like, it, yep. like salt was not going to help that hot mess. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it would. Uh, I'd forgotten that you threw lemons at us as well. I, I can't remember. Th- when that I happened. can't remember throwing lemons at you. Yeah, you threw, you threw lemon wedges at us. That's... <laughs> I'm oh. only remembering it because it's on the tape. Is, <laughs> there is evidence on the tape. Is that is that because of the gold brick thing? Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah. And now uh, it's fun to stay at the ZFBCFBTVOQ. The Zansel Squasia Flammarion Bridge Club from beyond the vert void of Kvarn is a party that dines at Milliways, <laughs> the restaurant at the end of the universe. <laughs> John, what is a Vort Void? I'm assuming, I don't really know what it is, but I'm absolutely certain it's a code for, uh, if you put it outside your house, it's code that you're swingers <laughs> in, uh, in the uh, in crime. It, it's, page, it's pager code for cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I noticed the um i was very intrigued by your uh ymca-esque um intro to this one. <laughs> and I, I just realized that it was um around it was 10 years ago this very year that i forced the head of the ymca to dance the ymca when giving out some raffle prizes at a do <laughs> uh, in aid of the ymca that is a highly John Bounds move. <laughs> I just, thought, I just think the, the the drawing of a raffle is one of the least entertaining things in entertainment. Um, <laughs> so, like the National Lottery, have to add on a, a, a poorly 
uh, thought out quiz show. Yes. I was just uh, making a man dance. <laughs> Um, I I love I love all this. I love all this. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the this whole um, the idea the people who are Milliways. I I think yes. that's phenomenal. The idea that the uh, it says so much about the um, well the class system in the galaxy for a start. Yeah. Okay, and also what Milliways is like. Milliways is chicken in a basket. If the Bridge Club are going there, it's chicken in a basket. <laughs> Forget the, the chicken in a basket that's bred to be want to be eaten, of course. But um, chicken in a basket. But also served served by snooty waiters, which is such a weird so <laughs> such a weird dichotomy of things. John, you're you're uh, you're vegetarian as far as I remember, right? Uh, yes, certainly. I always forget. I always come down to your house, and when you when you don't serve me meat, I'm always baffled. And then I I remember that yes, I've known you for over ten years, and yes, you've always been a vegetarian. Um, <laughs> so would you eat? Would you eat the meat that said that you can eat it? Oh yeah, we asked this of John before. Uh, the uh, of of uh, not main John, but now main John's here. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Did we ask ancillary John? Um, would I have? Uh, would I? Would I eat meat that wanted to be eaten? No, um, because I, I would consider a bit either the breed. I would consider it a little bit like um, people who vote Tory. They don't really know what they're doing. So is it like um, you've but got you've got a dog, haven't you? Uh, used to, used to have had oh, dogs. Girl. Okay. So with dogs, you buy like it's not uncommon to buy breeds, and there's a lot of moral issue around. Um, the breeding of the dogs. Now, the dog in itself is not immoral, but one could argue that the breeding process, it's certainly with some breeds, can be immoral. So I can see that argument that, that you're going down is that, um, yeah, okay, it's fine that the cow wants to be eaten and it's given, it's given its consent, but it's immoral because the cow has been bred to, it's the, it's the process by which the cow has come into existence that is the thing that you're having a moral issue with. And that I can completely understand if that is in fact your contention. You've laid it out a lot more clear than I was thinking it, but yeah, that sounds exactly right. But. But isn't the cow in a better position? Isn't it? Isn't it a wonderful thing to know your purpose in life, to have a reason to live, and then fulfil out that function? No, because not everyone gets to fulfil their function. I, I think I would much rather be. I am in a sweet spot where I'm not super intelligent, but I'm intelligent enough to know my own, my own misgivings and and the, and the bits that are missing from my life. I would rather be far dumber and be happier. Uh, as as Neil Innes once said, how sweet it is to be an idiot and dip your brain in joy. Um, so yeah, I would I would far rather be um, happy than right any day. Okay, okay. To quote a fjord making genius. So while I'm eating the pig, would you leave the room, John, or would you? I have no. Um, I mean, I don't judge your morals. I mean, I do judge your morals. You shouldn't but... you? Should mate? You really should. <laughs> Oh God, I'm a monster! No, so you you would happily be there while I ate the. the well, no, I, I don't know if you're making a big old song and dance about it. So I was in a, a Greek bar tavern uh, once, and uh, some of the people I was with were interested in having the freshest fish caught on the beach, and they they bring the fish in, and it's still a bit floppy, and they're gonna oh they're gonna go to the kitchen to weigh it to make sure they've got all the fish they've paid for, and we don't know what type of fish it is. It's just a thing, and then it comes on the plate, and you can still see its eyes. Um, that's not very nice, mm. is it? 
<laughs> you see, I don't like choosing the crab either. Like that mm. that seems that seems like unnecessary theatre. Mm-hmm. That, that seems like one hell of a euphemism more than anything else. But um, <laughs> would Sir like to choose the crab? Yeah, uh, yes, it's it's dre- everything that waiters do is dreadful. <laughs> I, I genuinely would rather have a snooty waiter than have a waiter that you know you know the waiters that have the attitude that like the meal that you're having is like all of our business and is on our team yep. you know the sort of one that they'll sit down in the empty seat and go all right guys but like fuck off this is- we do things a bit differently here yeah, this isn't an us situation this is a bring mm-hmm. me the food and we'll pretend that this is unhappen situation like we call it small plates yeah like they'll, they'll use you by their first name when they see your card and stuff. It's like no, no, no! Don't make this any more weird than it has to be. <laughs> We're not a family. I'm here because I'm hungry, and this is a transaction. I'm not your fucking mate. You'll get more of a tip if you shut up. Is this just because they called you Abbey National? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that just about wraps it up for the show. Um, thank no, you very. No, I know, I know, this is my Dan. Last so, one. so this is this is this is quite momentous. Um, so this because of the the format, uh, and, and as I've said before, and I will say it again, never let uh, a good time get in the way of a format. This means that, um, yeah, this is this is Danny's last appearance in the alphabet show. Um, we will do. We are going to do some sort of finale. I mean, knowing us, there will be a finale, and then probably something else because you know, Daddy's just gonna need another hit (laughs) but for now danny mate thank you thank you for shepherding us into the zeds thank you i I just want to thank all the listeners thank you for putting up with me that's that that was genuine like there was no there's no punchline to that thank you no i was i was i was leaving silence for the listeners to respond Well, you think all the people that like me are idiots and they'll talk into the into their machines? We like you too, Danny. <laughs> Don't go out my ear. I, I, I mean, I mean, you're projecting now, and I think you've probably just offended the listener who was like they were nodding to their device, they were having a nice wistful grin. So, you know what, Danny? I'm gonna miss you too. And now they're like, oh, screw I'm you. Then I'll just I'm carry on listening idiot. to the the Johns. Ah, uh, let the bridges that I burn light my way. <laughs> well, um, if you want to continue um, to keep in touch with. Uh, with Danny you'll find him on Twitter at Probably Drunk where you will also well it's not where you will also find Bounder because he has his own account uh, which is Bounder um, that's where John Bounds is and you'll find me occasionally tweeting at I am Stedman uh, so yes we will be back whew, next week with a final in uh, in, in the letters and uh, I'm, uh, I'm no you're crying um, so until then share and enjoy share and enjoy This podcast is produced by Podient. To find out more, visit podiantproductions.com. There was an ad for an insurance company in which a man rings up and gets put through to a call centre and uh, is he requests to not be put on hold. And the call centre, we then find out, is populated entirely by chickens who all cluck and say, won't keep you a moment. But the way they say it is like, won't keep you a moment. And I couldn't help but think at the time, and I still do, that that was um, a veiled attempt at racism 
against the uh, employees of Indian call centres because there's something in the cadence of what? Give you a moment that feels like it's probably someone doing the voice. I think maybe they were going for a chicken noise and when it sounded Indian, I mean, even if somebody bought... <laughs> they, they, yeah, they didn't lean away from it. <laughs> yeah, somebody bought it up and they went... <laughs> yeah, no, no solution. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a foul thing to do, obviously. And, obviously. Uh, oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I, I watched it first and I was spitting feathers, mate. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, we've beaked. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that was so bad. It was good, though. <laughs> it was, yeah. But, uh, uh, what will we do now? I'm not sure. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being a cock. Okay, right. Um, 